So a couple of years ago, I discovered um, a way of reading the Bible that, that I, I've just kind of clung on to. It's, it's sitting down and reading the entirety of what we call a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, which is the first four books of the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those, those are the books that tell all about Jesus' life and what he did and what he was like and his ministry and the people who followed him and that kind of stuff leading up to his death and resurrection. And what I started doing a couple of years ago is I'd take one, a gospel, I'd take Matthew, and I'd read it from start to finish in one sitting, maybe two sittings, um, which sounds really daunting. It's really not. Like, it's, it's not that much reading, um, and you can cover it in a couple of hours. It's almost like watching a movie. Like, it's, it's like a, a movie's worth of, of reading that you're sitting down to at, at one point in time. And what I would do is I'd pick one of the Gospels, and I'd look through it. As I read, I'd read and look for certain themes or a certain lens. Like, for instance, I'd read Luke and pay attention to Jesus, how he reached out to the poor. And maybe I'd, like, write that down or circle it or, like, put a star next to it every time he reached out to somebody poor and just kind of see the themes there. Or I, 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 another time I read Mark, and I'd look for times where Jesus was bold or courageous. He did something daring or bold or courageous. Or, and what was cool is like once I started doing that, is I, I started also seeing times where Jesus, I, started, I found myself marking where times, times where Jesus made other people bold or other people courageous in the book of Mark. Um, my favorite one of all time, and I think the very first time I did this was, was, was when I, I, I read the book of Matthew, paying attention to what percentage of the interactions that, that were recorded in the book of Matthew were actually interruptions. It's like 70% of the book of Matthew is like Jesus was on his way over here and all of a sudden somebody cried out. There's all these interruptions. This is really fascinating, which is not what I'm preaching on today. But it's like, I'm, I, I want to say this because this is actually a really cool way to read the Bible. Like if you're new to Bible study, this is a great way to start. And if you're, you're not sure if you can follow Jesus or if you have what it takes to follow Jesus, why don't you read, pick one of the Gospels and read it from start to finish, paying attention to what, what Jesus asks of the people who follow him. And you're going to probably find that you're a lot closer than you think. It's a really cool exercise. Recently, most recently, I've been reading through the Gospels, um, and I'm probably going to pick one this week and just sit down with it with this lens in mind, looking at the times when Jesus was sassy, looking for cheeky Jesus. I'm serious. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of geeking out about this. Like, as preparation for this this week, it kind of led me to that. And here's what I mean. Jesus, most of the time, generally is a very positive, uplifting kind of gent. But there are times when he can throw down. There are times when he just cuts to the point. And he's like, cut the crap. This is what this is about. And he gets sassy. He gets, and he's not afraid to tell it how it is to cut straight to the point. For instance, there's one point in time where he says, you know what? It's easier for a, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And all the rich people in the, are like, wait, what? And then Jesus just moves on. Because that's what, like, he just does that sometimes. There was another time where he's like, hey, if your eye causes you to stumble, what? You probably should just gouge it out. And they're like, are you for real? He's like, let me tell you about not worrying. Let's talk about not worrying for a minute. You know, like, and then just moves on. And then, like, like, one of my favorite ones, actually, and you might not be familiar with this. But this was in Matthew 10, 34. He says this, do, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace 
on earth. And you're like, whoa, 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 we just got done with, with Christmas, which is all about peace on earth. He's like, no, no, no. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. That's what he says in Matthew 10, 34. Translation, and it, it, I want to preach on this path. I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to preach on just that passage sometime. But the translation is, hey, I, come to pick, I came to pick a fight. Yes, I ultimately came. He's, he, we call him the Prince of Peace. He's come to bring peace in the world, peace in your life. But it's not going to come without a fight first. Sassy Jesus. <laughs> I love it. Uh, another one is, uh, it, another, another thing that I've noticed in this that I'm, I want to look at this week. Jesus warned a lot. He said, hey, 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 be careful. Hey, 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 watch out. Hey, be on your guard for fill in the blank. Be on your guard. And he, he'd said, be on, like one of the things that he talked about the most was money. He talked about money. It, it, did you know this, that Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven, hell, and sex combined? <laughs> Because he's like, hey, hey, be careful. There's something with money that you need to be careful. There's something over there like your, your heart will, it, your money will take your heart places you don't want to go. Be careful. And he said a lot about it. He, he'd, say, so he'd say, hey, be careful of this group of people over here, these people called the Pharisees. And he'd name names. And they're like, Jesus, we're right here. He's like, I know, you're my object lesson. <laughs> like, don't be like them. There was times where he was cheeky. He was sassy, where he wasn't afraid to call a spade the spade, so much so that the people around him, you'll see this if you read the Gospels, you'll see people say, hey, okay, Jesus, what's the big deal? Like, wh why are you freaking out? You know, and, and honestly, what, as you read it, if you sit down to read a Gospel this week, you might run into the same thing. You might read that and be like, whoa, 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 Jesus, what's the big deal? How many of you have ever had, remember your parents, how, how many of you remember telling your parents, hey, chill out, hey, relax? How many of you, raise your hand if you had a parent that, that like, tended to freak out, or you're like, you just had a heart, come on, raise, be honest, this is church, we can do this. Yeah, like, like you had a parent that was just like, that you, you butt heads with, because you just, you didn't, you didn't understand where they're coming from, they're freaking out, you can't do this, you know, like, and, and you remember telling them, like, mom, it's just a date. No big deal. Dad, dad, it's just a party. Mom, mom, this is, this is the one. This is the one that sticks out in my memory the most. Mom, it's not a big deal if Melissa just sleeps over. Like, what, what's the big deal? And, like, my mom died on that hill. And it was like a 3 a.m. Like By the time we were done with the conversation, Melissa couldn't sleep over because it was morning time. Literally, it was 3 a.m. by the time we were done arguing about that. And I did the whole thing where, like, you, Mom, you don't get it. Like, it's not a big deal. You don't trust me. And you're like, I totally trust you. You just can't have a kid sleep over. I, no, that's not fair. You don't trust me. That's not fair. It was just back and forth, round robin, round robin like that with my mom. You remember doing that with your parents? It's so funny. Fate has a sense of irony, doesn't it? Because now I is a parent. And I, I super overprotective. I, I'm like, like, I'm overprotective. There's a long list of things that I'm overprotective about. Like that I just, I, I freak out about parking lots. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the little kid age right now. Parking lots scare the hell out of me with my kids. Like I, I just, I, I'm scared that they're going to get run over. And my kids are like, sweet, parking lot PE, let's go. You know, and just running around chasing each other. And it's like, no, come back. You know, I, I freak out about parking lots. I, um, I freak out. What else do I freak out about? Screen time. I'm like, like, my kids are like, what is the big deal? I'm just, I want to play another half hour game. It's like, 
kids, we don't know yet. We just don't know. Like, and there's cancer. I'm just going to say cancer. <laughs> like, like, like there's a lot in life. Be very afraid. Lots in life leads to cancer. And like screen time, I think, might be one of those. So no. No, you can't. You know, like, they're like, what's the big deal? I just, can I just stay up late? Like, no. You cannot stay up late. You're going to go to bed, and you're going to go to bed forever. You know, like, I just want to stay up a little later. No, if you stay up late, you're going to fail out of college. That's just, I, I, I can't explain. Like, and the kids are like, what is your deal? It's, it's, but as a parent, I can, all I can see is like, when it, it's like, they're like, dad, you know, just relax. You're like, I can't. I'm a parent. I love you too much. And, and see, when, when the reason we as parents and, and students here, like, you have to understand this about, you're going to say things like, when I'm a parent, I will never, you're going to eat every one of those words. <laughs> Honestly, every, sing, every single one of them, you're going to eat it. Like, you're just going to, like, you know, like, I, I, you're going to find stuff coming out of your mouth. You're like, ah, come back. I didn't want to say that. My parents said that to me. It's it, like the reason that parents overreact and we can get that way is because parents have a tendency of seeing where our children are heading, not where they are, right? We can see, like, that decision, yes, it might just seem like one decision to you, but what it could lead to another decision, or another, and another, and another, and that leads to a path. See, we're in this series called The Principle of the Path. And we said from the beginning that the principle of the path is, is very simple. It goes like this. That direction, not intention, determines your destination. That the direction that you're heading in, not your intention, determines where you end up in life. And this is like so straightforward in driving, it's ridiculous. In, in the world of navigation, you go east I-70, I you're not going to be skiing soon. We talked about that. You go west and I-70, you're going to pass some ski resorts, and you can, you know, choose which one you want to ski on. You'll have opportunity, you'll have choices. Like, there's the navigation, it's really straightforward. But it's, this is the same, the same principle is true in life. We can say, man, I want to be a great dad, but if we just work all the time and, and skip, the, skip the games and the recitals and, like, I'll get there next time, and we keep saying that, I'll get there next time, that's a path. That's a direction. And that's heading towards a destination. And despite what your intention is, it might take you there. You, you say, hey, you know, we want to we wanna be good with our finances. We want to lead somewhere in life. Like, we want, I want to be able to retire young. I want to be able to give a lot. I want to be able to set my kids up for college. Whatever your financial goals are. But if you don't pay attention to your spending, it doesn't matter how much you intend or your desire for those things to come true. They won't because your direction is opposite of where you want to go. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. And we've talked about that in our spiritual life. We can say, oh, yeah, no, I believe in God. I want to, to be close to God. But if we don't take the time, if we don't direct our lives towards him, if we don't invite him into our lives, you know, we're going to come to a point in time where we, if something happens and we get mad at God. And you're like, where, God, where are you? I thought you were with me. And you're like, I am with you, but you're doing life without me. There's all that confusion. Direction, not intention, determines our destination. And, and um, today, today's a little bit different. I mean, actually, this, I probably shouldn't say this, but, like, I'm interested to see where today goes. 
with, with what I want to talk about. Like, I'm, I'm passionate about it, but I'm interested to see where it lands with you. Because today we're going to look at a time, like, 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 oh, let me tie it in this way. What would you expect if, if God is God of the universe and he cares for us? And, and let's, let's just pretend for a second that the Bible is the word of God. If, if God is the God of the universe and we open up his word, what would we expect to find in it? We, we'd probably find, expect to find things that are helpful, right? Things that, 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 that like we would expect to find messages like from God that, that would help us navigate life. Go here, don't go there. And the other thing, that, you know, what's interesting that we find in, in the Bible is we find this voice throughout. It's almost this fatherly voice, this parental voice that says, hey, my son, my daughter, go this way, and it'll go well with you in life. And today, we're, we're going to find we're, Jesus came on the scene about 2,000 years ago. He comes on the scene, and, and he comes on. And, and what would you expect Jesus, if he's the son of God, if he's from God, what would you expect him to say? You're going to expect him to say, you're going to have, you're going to, what I'm trying to say is you're going to hear a parental tone sometimes. You're going to hear Jesus encouraging and uplifting and, and calling us children. But at times, with the people he's interacting with, he's not afraid to call a spade a spade. He's not afraid to call something out and say, no, 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 be careful there. And, and the people around Jesus be like, what's the big deal? He's like, you, you just, you don't understand. You don't have my perspective in life. But this is important. And this is one of those times today we're going to look at one, one, of, one of many passages where as we read it, we might think to ourselves, Jesus, chill out. <laughs> Relax. Is this really that big of a deal? And for Jesus, it is. For Jesus, it is, I can't chill out. I, I, I can't because I care about you too much. So this is found in Luke chapter 12. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it. If not, we're going to put it up on the screen. He's hanging out one day, uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 13, and, and somebody says this to him. He says, teacher, tell my brother to divide my inheritance with me. Teacher, hey, Jesus, I got a problem. My, my brother, someone must have died. We don't know any of the backstory besides this one statement. Like, hey, my, my, one of the, someone must have died, and there's inheritance that wasn't being divvied up 50-50. And this is, the next verse is Jesus being sassy. Watch this. He, Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? <laughs> like, like, hey, I, I'm the son of God. I came to do a lot of things. This ain't one of them, bro. Like, like, man, like, man, who appointed you a judge or an arbitrator between you? Like, that's not what I came to do. I'm came here to heal. I'm here to, to, to help. I'm here to love. But I'm not here to arbitrate. Sorry. But then Jesus twists, he, he uses it, and he's like, all right. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard. Again, this is Jesus like, hey, be careful. Hey, 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 like, 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 imagine, like, like, the whole be on your guard thing is, like, imagine if you were, oh, we were just in New York City, my, my, my daughter and I, and New York City's a really cool city, but it's kind of gross, too, and, like, the, it had rained, actually, no, it hadn't rained, which makes this even grosser, 
it was there was puddles on like every on the corner right where the the you know like the little um the thing that you you walk up and there's like little cutout yeah thank you for that the cutout right by the street light you know so you're sitting there waiting for the walk light and then if you did this psh, i mean you're a whole foot gross and so jovi like like literally i'm like oh, watch out watch out you know like watch out care watch where you step you know, like, because I don't want her to step in that. That's, you know, Jesus is like, hey, here's a watch out. You know, like, I want you, here's something I want you to stay away from. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of what? Greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And again, I think people are like, What? The dude just wants his half of the inheritance. That's not greedy. But this is like totally a parent move, isn't it? Like this is what we do as parents. Like, you know, like, hey, you know, while we're on the subject, just be careful. We're like, mom, dad, I'm okay. You know, this is Jesus. Hey, while we're on the subject, this guy wants his inheritance. And I don't think Jesus is against inheritance by any means or any stretch of imagination. He's just, he's like, hey, this is an opportunity for me to teach, to share my heart, to help people he says this, watch out, be on your guard against all, and this is so interesting to me, all kinds of greed. Jesus would say, you know, do you know there's more than just one type of greed? You know, like, we all know the greed that comes with money, like, like greed, like, I want more of that. But Jesus, and he doesn't expound on it, but he's like, just be careful of all kinds of greed. And I think we can fill in the blanks. I think we can be greedy with, what, our time? We can be greedy with our resources. We can be greedy with our talents. We can be greedy with all sorts of different things. There are many kinds. And greed is just simply this. I think Nathan just, just preached on this a couple months ago. But greed is just simply this. I owe me. It's us saying to ourselves, I owe me. Like, like, like you know, with everything that's been going on, like, I, I owe me. I owe me this. I, I deserve to have this, and Jesus is saying, be careful of this. Greed, in, 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 to put it in the context, it's a, greed is a path. And we're about to see where greed leads. Verse 16. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And the, he, the rich man, thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And everybody in Jesus' audience went, oh, such a bad problem to have this poor guy. Oh, I hate it when that happens. Because, like, you have to recognize, like, during in this, this ancient culture, this scenario that Jesus is painting was very rare. To have an abundant, like, you're living in a very day-to-day, hand-to-mouth type of existence from the majority of the people in this society. So Jesus paints this picture. He's like, hey, I, you know, I'm going to tell you a story. And remember, this is a parable. This is something that didn't happen but could have happened. But it's, it's not a true story, but it has a true point that Jesus is trying to make. He's like, imagine you know, the ground of a rich man yields an abundant harvest. And he thinks to myself, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with all of this? And, and Jesus is trying to get his audience a little riled up, like, like, oh, you poor guy. You know, like the way he, he phrased this. And here's the other thing that we need to note about this parable. It's so fascinating. I, I love the Bible. 
this parable is so fascinating because there's no other characters. Okay, there's two. There's God and there's the man. And you'll see here in a second, the man does not talk to God, and yet there's a dialogue. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is a man who doesn't need anyone else. This is a man who doesn't concern himself with anyone else. So when they sit down for conversation, it's me, myself, and I talking. It's really, it's really funny. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I have a good idea. What is it? This is what I'll do. I will tear it. And pay attention to this. I. Pay attention to the word I. I almost had you guys like clap every time it's, you know, like the word I came up. And I was like, nah, never mind. This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. Who's he? He's talking to himself. I will tear down my, see, and this is crazy. This is what rich people do. Rich people take things that, that, that there's nothing wrong with them and replace them with new ones. Have you heard about this? It's crazy. It's like craziness. It's like, like they buy clothes, never wear them, and then put them on Facebook and says, hashtag still tags on it. And then give, or, or, or the, the rich people, this, I've heard about rich people doing this. They, they go through their closets and they grab all of their stuff that they don't really use or they've never used, and they give it to goodwill, and then they feel good about themselves. It's the craziest thing. You know what else rich people do? They upgrade their phones. Even though their phone works, a new one comes out, and they just want that one, so they go get it. They'll do the same thing with cars. You know how much more expensive cars are? Not only that, not only will they upgrade cars, they have separate houses simply for their cars. I just... Can you believe, okay, so you see what I'm doing here, right? Some of you are smiling and some of you are not. What I, here's, here's the deal, here's the deal. I, I, what I, I'm, I'm doing this on purpose. I'm, I'm being ironical on purpose because every time you read a parable, I, I've taught you this before, every time you read a parable, your job is to see how you fit in the parable. What kind of seed am I? You know, like, like if you're reading a parable about seeds, what kind of seed am I? This one's difficult. Because there's only one option. Because there's, you know, like every parable has God in it, and you have to find, okay, well, who's God? Okay, the, the, the master, the guy throwing the banquet, the guy throwing the party, he's, he, that's God. You, you find out where God is, and then you find out where yourself is. And in this one, it's difficult. Because we, it's so easy to distance ourselves from a guy like this. And the reason is this. Hear me, hear me. Greed is really hard to see in the mirror. Greed is one of the hardest things to see in the mirror. Like, like we can see greed in other people. <laughs> We're really good at seeing greed in other people. It's really difficult. It, it takes a very honest person to see greed in themselves. And so what I wanted to see here today is like, listen, listen, listen. We're a lot, you and I are a lot more rich than we think. I know most of you. I know most, I don't know your bank account, I don't know how much money you make, but like I know enough about most of you to say, to make this blanket statement. We are richer than, than, than we, are, we are in the top 1% globally of wealthy people in the world. And if you want to sit down and talk to me about that, but it's, it's actually fascinating. I'd love to go to lunch sometime and we can talk about that. But the reality is we don't, even if you don't feel rich, 
you probably are, especially in comparison to most people in the world. And again, Jesus would say, watch out. Be careful. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And tells this story. And just, it's, it's like, just like any other parable, we have to find where we fit in that story. And I want to make sure that we don't miss it. That, that I want, what I want us to see is that we're maybe more like this guy than we realize. We're maybe a little bit closer to him than we would realize. And what this guy was guilty of was, we've, we've talked about this before, the consumption assumption. The consumption assumption is simply that everything that I have is for my consumption. Is the assumption that, that, that everything that comes to me is for me. And that's just, and, and what we're going to find out here is that's a path. That's a path that we have to guard ourselves against because it's dangerous. Luke 12, 19. Guy, the guy continues on. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for years. Now, again, the you is me. <laughs> me have plenty of grain laid up for years. Me take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> like the cookie monster. Like, like that's, I mean, like that, this is, see, in here we learn a lot about this. In these verses, we learn a lot about this guy, right? He has surplus. And instead of building barns, or instead of, he, he, he chooses with that surplus to build barns and not a bigger table. Isn't that interesting? The decisions that he makes with his surplus are so that he can store up for himself his wealth. And, and, and we've all known somebody like this, that the more wealthy they become, there's like this gravitational pull that their wealth creates. The bigger it masses, the more it's about them, and the more and more and more, and it's, it's just, it's, it's self-centered. That's the picture that Jesus is trying to paint here. I, 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 I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. Do whatever you want. You don't have to worry about a thing. And see, another thing we learn here is we've, we learn this guy's intentions, right? His des- what, is, what does he desire in life? He desires good things. And see, that's not a bad thing. That's not what he's chastised for. We, we should desire good things for ourselves. We should desire good things for our children. But can we all agree that we can do that in such a way where in the end it's just really all about ourselves? I had this really good friend in college. He's a really remarkable guy. He's actually since moved to, he's moved to India and, and got married. He has, has a family. Now he's back in the States. His name's Ryan Phillips. And he and I were talking about he was, he was in India for a while. And he came back and we were catching up. And Ryan was... And, and Ryan was um, I forget how we got on to the conversation, but this, this phrase stuck out. Stuck out. But he, said, he said, when I buy something, when I purchase something, or I make a major decision in my life, I often try to think, will this decision or this person, per, this uh, purchase, will it isolate me or will it integrate me? Let me explain. Will it isolate me? Will it take me away from people by buying that? 
or will it integrate me into better community with people? And what's interesting about Ryan's story is when he was a teenager, he came into an inheritance. It was actually a pretty large inheritance, and, and, and so he got a portion of that inheritance when he was, you know, certain ages, it was set up like a trust. And one of the things is when he was 16, he was able to buy a car. And I just think of, like, I, th I was thinking about it this week in preparation for this, like, when I was 16, if I could have bought a car, what would I have bought? And I thought about a lot of different cars, but I tell you what I would not have bought. I would not have bought a two-door hatchback Honda Civic. That's what Ryan bought. And because of who Ryan is and what he's like, our freshman year of college, we took that, that car all over the West. His, his purchase integrated him into relationship with people. He was generous with it. I didn't have a car in college. He did. Ryan, and we went and did things with it. Think about your major purchases in the last couple of years. Those purchase, purchases, did they integrate you into community with others? Or did they isolate you and move you away from other people? I mean, we can do this, like, 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 think about some of the ways that you've talked with your friends, like some of the comments that you've made in the last couple days to friends. Did those comments integrate you with the person that you were talking with, or did they isolate you from them? It's a good thing to think about, isn't it? In this case, in this man's life, what we see here is every, the decisions that he made, that he made Although what's so sad, what's so sad is he did it for himself. He did it to bring good things. His intention was to take life easy, drink, and be merry. But we find out the stark reality of life here in the next verse. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And the answer is somebody else. The answer is anybody else. The answer is a combination between people who are in your will and people who are cleaning out your house. You're like, oh, I'll take that. Oh, that's cool. I'll take that. Like, like this, is the, the, this is the sad irony of a greedy life. If it's all about you, you're just building up barns for yourself. In the end, you, don't, you actually don't get to do that at all. It just gets slashed and burned or, you know, in, in a sale. It gets, it gets put on auction. It gets divvied up, and it's gone. And that's the nature of life. And I want to note here, it's, I, I, I don't think like in this parable that God got mad and just killed him. <laughs> I think, I think there's this, this statement of, like, you fool. This very night, like, like you're, you're here today and gone tomorrow. That's how fleeting your life is. You put all of this time and intention into yourself, and in reality, that's going to come to an end. That's, that's like, your, your days are short. Our days are short. Can we all agree? Like, we just don't live that long. And despite our best of intentions, looking forward to the future, oh, I want this, I want to do that, I hope we can do this. You'll be careful. Jesus would say, be careful. Because life is short. But he's not, Jesus is not done. This is how it will be, verse 21. This is how it will be 
with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards and here's what's interesting I, I would think like I think on a day where I wasn't as familiar with this passage I would have said if someone said hey fill in the blank I would have said rich towards others right rich towards your neighbor this is how it'll be whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards other people but look what it says here rich towards God and I was thinking about this as I was preparing this message. I'm like, here we have this very material, you know, like, like the very first things about a guy who wants his share of the inheritance. Jesus says, be on your guard a bunch about, about greed. It's all about a man who lived for himself and isolated himself from the people around him. But the end is what's really at stake is not our relationship with others, which, but it is, right? We can all agree that we can live our lives in such a way where our family becomes second. It's all about us. But what Jesus is saying here at the end is like, no, 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 what's really at stake is our relationship with God. This is the way I, I picture this. I, I like to think like if I made a movie, like how would I make the movie? Like if I made a movie of this parable, who would I cast as this dude? And who would I, you know, like, like, so like, you imagine this movie and, and it's like a, maybe it's a short because there's not much content to work with. But like this is short going on. This would be a great Pixar short, wouldn't it? Just thought of that. It'd be awesome. It's going on. The guy's making decisions. He comes into a, a, a windfall of money, and it's all his. And there's, you know, like, the, the, there's interactions with the people around him. And you can tell he's just getting more and more isolated. And then all of a sudden, God comes at the end. And, like, like right as the guy's about to board the plane to go to Hawaii, you know, or board, go to, to his second home, wherever, God enters the scenes like, you fool. And then I picture what Jesus said in verse 21 as almost like this is the dude's funeral. And, and at the funeral, you know, people get up and say something. Let's just say for the sake of Josh's movie, like Jesus went to the funeral. And he stood up and he said this eulogy. He said, you know what? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves. This is the path, but is not, and, and who stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. In other words, Jesus is saying, be careful what you are rich toward. I've been to more funerals in the last two years than probably the, the last 10 years combined. I've had some grandparents pass away. My dad died last year. Um, there's been a lot of suicides here in town. It's been crazy. It's been a crazy couple of years. And the thing about funerals, here's the, we need to know, like, like at funerals, the people, at your funeral, the people who you love will come to honor you. And at your funeral, they will ponder, take stock of, evaluate your life. It's just, I've been to so many, like, I've seen people's heads working and like you know like they're thinking and I'm like I know what you're thinking about because I'm thinking about the same thing and what we're processing at funerals is we're, we're, we're evaluating what that person was rich toward in life and there's a lot that's said about family maybe there's things that are said about their accomplishments they're a person of faith there's things said about their faith 
But the stark reality is, is you and I have, we have a fateful day in front of us. We have a, a day where everybody around us that loves us, they're going to come and they're going to say something. And what's funny is, like, they probably won't say what Jesus said. <laughs> this is cheeky, Jesus. <laughs> People usually aren't cheeky at funerals, but Jesus was. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. You and I are rich towards something. It, it, we just are. You, right now, you are rich towards something. For me personally, Christy and I, like, we're, we're purchasing a house just down the road. I am rich towards that project right now. Like, to the point where it's like, I've kind of blown my cover because for 17, seventeen years of marriage? 17, final answer. 17 years of marriage, Christy's primarily done the finances. Like, she's done all the, the books and that kind of stuff because I wasn't very good at it. Well, in the last month or so, like, uh, she's found out I'm good at, I'm much better at those things than, than she thought. And maybe I, even I thought because it's like I'm rich towards that because it's something I'm excited about. It's something I'm passionate about, right? Isn't it amazing what you can overcome when you're passionate about something? That's what it means to be rich towards something. You know what it means to be rich towards something when you've had a crush on somebody? <laughs> and you get all sorts of creativity starts to fly of how you can just, you know, like, oh, we just happened to run into each other. I just happened to be here. Who would have thought? Who saw that coming? I did. <laughs> I'm rich towards you. Like I, and, and when we get married, when, I get, when we get married, basically all, all the, the vows of a marriage is just two people saying, vowing to be rich towards each other, right? I'm going to put you first. I'm going to put you before me. I'm going I'm to anticipate your need. I want to care for you. I want to be rich toward you. You know how to be rich towards something if you ever started something, a business, a project, an organization, if you started something that you're, you're passionate about, if you have a hobby, if you have an interest that's just like, you, like, you don't have to, you, you, like people say, you're so good at this, and you're like, man, I don't think of it that way. It just, it's something I kind of just do. That's something you're rich toward. My question for you today is, are you rich toward God? Can you, can you think of a time in your life when you were rich toward him? Where he got the creative energy? Where he got your time? Where you found yourself daydreaming about things of him? See, we know we're, we're rich towards God when we use what we have, these things, to value him instead of build ourselves up. To, to, we, we know we are rich towards God when we realize that our security is not in the things that we have. It's in him, ultimately, because we know life could end at any time. We are rich towards God when we use what we have, what we use what we have to bring us towards integration with the other people that God has created as opposed to isolation. And ultimately, we are rich towards God when we use our time, our money, our energy to say just the simple thing, your will be done. What is that? Your will 
be done. It's four simple words. Guys, can I just, I mean, to wrap up, it's pretty simple. In the end, there's really only two people in life, two kinds of people in life. Those who say to God, your will be done, and those who say to God, my will be done. I, 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 me, my. It, that's, that's really, faith boils down to that. It's simply day after day coming before the Father in, in prayer maybe or when reading a scripture with other people and say, Lord, what is your will for me today? What would you have me do? And can I just say this? The best battle to greed is just that prayer. Lord, your will be done. What is your will for my life? I know what I want to do. And you know what's so cool? It, it's so, if, if, you, if you're not sure what a t- this type of relationship looks like, this type of trust relationship looks like with God, it's, it's not as scary as, okay, it is scary. I'll, I'll take that back. It's scary. But when you get on the other side of it, you think to yourself, why did I wait so long? It's scary because you feel like, I'm going to lose everything. Like, I'm going to lose the things, I'm going to lose my desires, and it's just amazing to me in life, the, the times in my life when I've been able to say, I followed the will of God, how much of my desires he gave to me in the process. But the point is, those desires weren't the point. His will was. When we follow our desires, that's a path, y'all. That's a path that will take us ultimately to where we don't want to go. It leads to isolation. It leads to broken dreams, to confusion, and disappointment. And your heavenly Father, Jesus, is saying, watch out. Be careful. Can we all, can we all just agree that there have been times in our lives where we really thought we wanted something? We got into trouble chasing something. We, we were like, no, this is what I want. And that was like the worst thing for us. And our Heavenly Father is saying, no, 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 come. Submit yourself to my will. Follow me. Follow this path, and it'll take you to where you want to go. Your will be done. Can we just pray? Let's pray.